turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to read the first 14 verses. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who hath worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. In this section of scripture, we have 10 tremendous blessings for those who are saved. 10 reasons to be happy in Jesus. The word blessed means to be happy in the Lord. These are abundant gifts that God gives to those who trust in Jesus. We have a tremendous, tremendous inheritance. So let's look at them from just, I will mention these 10 and we'll be through. Look at verses three and four. Blessed be the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. We have been chosen. When you were uh, young and maybe they had choose up teams for ball game or something and a captain over there, two captains got up here and they began to choose. <laughs> were you ever the last one to be chosen? That's sort of an awkward situation. This scripture is reminding us we were not the last one to be chosen. We were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Notice we're chosen in him. 
Jesus is the chosen one. He didn't choose us because we were good or worthy or because we had certain equipment, had a beautiful voice, had pretty looks, good physique, none of those things. He chose us in Him. That is, God chose Jesus. And those that are in Him are the chosen ones. If you look back at uh, your Bible to John chapter 15, in verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So what a wonderful blessing to be chosen by God. We're chosen and ordained that we should bring forth fruit, good fruit. And whatever we ask the Father in His name, we have the assurance we'll receive it. But I want you to notice another part of that same passage. Verse four, Ephesians 1, 4. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blemish before Him in love. Holy means set apart for Him. We are chosen in Christ, set apart to be His property, to bring glory to Him. Not glory to ourselves, but glory to Him. Oh, that will be glory for me, the song says. What is it will be glory for me? When I'm there and look on His face. Friends will be there I have loved long ago. Joy like a river all around me will flow, yet just a smile from the Savior I know will through the ages be glory for me. That's what will be glory for me when we get there. But here we're to bring glory to God by holy living, holy speaking, holy attitudes, holy giving, holy yieldedness. We are chosen by God. You imagine that. We sometimes think we chose Jesus, but he really chose us. There used to be a song, I Choose Jesus. Well, there's nothing wrong with the song except it isn't exactly scriptural. He chose us. He chose us by knocking on our heart's door. He initiated conviction. He's the one that touched us and drew us to himself. We're chosen in him. Now, secondly, look in verse five. Not only are we chosen in Him, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. We're adopted by Him. Jesus said, you're of your father the devil. Sometimes that's misunderstood. What He's really saying is those who are without Christ are of the father the devil. When we're born in this world, we're not children of God. We're children of the devil. Now that's what the Bible teaches. You know, sometimes that's hard for us to recognize, it's hard for us to receive, but it really is true. None of us are children of God because we are good enough. We're children of God because He chose us. And He predestinated us and He adopted us into His family. You know when, uh, I don't know whether there's anybody in this room who's been adopted or not, but when you're adopted, you're, you're very special. 
a mother and father bring a child into the world, thank the Lord for that wonderful little life. It's amazing when the child first gets here. I often go to the hospital when some of our people have a new child. It's such a blessing to see that little baby and the blessing of grandma and grandpa and mom and daddy and aunts and uncles that gather there and the nurses and the doctors. But when a family adopts someone, they adopt them forever. You cannot give back an adopted child. Matter of fact, I'm not sure it's still a law in the books, but it used to be a law in the books. You cannot disown an adopted child. You cannot disenfranchise an adopted child. And God doesn't do that. He adopts us into his family, and it's a permanent adoption. The blessing of being chosen by the Lord. But let's go on. Look at verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We've been accepted by the Lord. Not because we're good, but because he came into our hearts. He began an initiation in our hearts. He began an initiative in our hearts. He began us to draw us closer and closer to him. So the things of the world don't mean very much to us anymore. He's drawn us into the circle of his will and he has accepted us no matter what what our background. Some people have wonderful backgrounds, some people have very poor backgrounds. It doesn't make any difference where you come from. Most of you know the story of Mel Trotter. Mel Trotter was a drunk. He got so far down that when his little child died, he went into the funeral home, nobody was looking, he took the shoes off of his little child's feet, went out and pawned them so he could get more liquor. And then something happened. God moved into his life. I think it was at the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. He heard the songs. Something drew him there. He heard the message. He went in the invitation. He said, I want this new life. And God changed him. And Mel Trotter went out to start missions all over America. He was responsible for bringing hundreds and hundreds of people to Jesus. Not because of what he was, God changed him. God changes all of us. There's not one of us here tonight who cannot be changed or has, who has not been changed <clears throat> by the power of God. The very fact that you're in prayer meeting tonight is evidence that there's been a change of heart. Thousands and thousands of people in our city, we, we have about 100,000 people or more in this county now. Thousands of those don't go to church on Wednesday night or on Sunday either. Somebody said we have 80,000 prospects in Warren County. People who do not choose to go to God's house on the Lord's day. You have chosen that because God put something inside of you. He chose you, he ordained you, he accepted you, and he began to lead you to where he wants you to be. Then there's something else. Look down in verse seven. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of glory. Redemption, we've been redeemed. We've been bought back from the marketplace of sin. God paid a high price 
for our salvation. Our salvation were not purchased by baptism, nor by turning over a new leaf, or by promising we'd never sin again. We have been redeemed because Jesus went to the cross. He bought our freedom and liberty and forgiveness through his death. Almost all things are by the blood purchased from sin and redeemed. Jesus redeemed us. There's a song that says, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We've been bought back from the marketplaces of sin. God paid a huge price for our redemption, the price of His only begotten Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then in verse 7, the same verse, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, He forgives us. You know, sometimes we say, well, I can maybe try to forgive, but I can't forget. <laughs> we may not forget the facts. I don't know whether God remembers the facts of our sin. You think about that. Do you think God remembers the facts of our sin? Well, He knows everything. There's nothing hidden from Him. Everyone in this room has sinned, come short of the glory of God. God may remember those facts but he's forgiven you. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. Let's pass that forgiveness on to others. If God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us, should we not also forgive others? There's not a person in this room who hasn't been hurt by somebody else. There's not a person in this room who hasn't hurt somebody else. What do we do about it? We could have a get-even get policy. But that isn't what God gave us when He gave us Jesus. When Jesus comes in, He was on the cross. Humanly, He could have said, I'm going to get even with those people. That wasn't in His heart. In all the agony, He hit on the face of God the Father and He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Let's be able to say that. People hurt us. Father, forgive them. You don't know what to do. We hurt others. Father, forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. Or if I meant it, I'm sorry that I did it because I'm a Christian. I've been accepted in the beloved. I've been redeemed. I've been forgiven. I don't have to do that kind of stuff anymore. I've been forgiven. Then go on. Look in verse 8. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. God gives wisdom and prudence to those who believe in Christ. Where do we get it? Well, it just uh, doesn't come from the airstreams, doesn't come from television. It doesn't come from even school or studying books. The wisdom comes from the Bible. You read Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. We have wisdom of God. Someone has said Proverbs is the wisdom of God at its highest. Ecclesiastes is the wisdom of man at its highest. I'm not sure there's a conflict, but if we really want wisdom, dig into the scripture, he'll give it to us. Wisdom is a gift from the Lord. Now look at verses nine and 10. 
having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. God has promised to reveal the mystery of his will to us. Now there are a lot of mysteries mentioned in the scripture. Mystery of the kingdom. Behold, I show you a mystery which shall not all sleep, we shall all be changed in a moment of the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. The trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised in a crop. There's a mystery of death. There's a mystery of life. Who can really totally understand the mystery of the birth of a little child? How God has arranged to give us the gift to bring to this world another life. That's a mystery. Well, he says here that he gives us the mystery of the will of God. In Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that perfect will of God. How do you prove it? How do you find the will of God? Present your body. Secondly, be not conformed to this world. If you're a saved person, quit acting like a worldling. If you're God's child, you're not a child of the devil anymore. If you're God's child, you don't have to run with the, with the, in the race of those who try to make the best out of life, uh, watching the Hollywood performances and all those things. You find what God says from his word. Then thirdly, let the Holy Spirit remind, renew your mind. The renewing of the Spirit of God in your life. That's the will of God. And then we read in the book of Peter, it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God reveals to us that his plan is for us to go and reach people for Christ. The gospel came to us on its way to somebody else. We're a vehicle through which the gospel can pass to others. You've heard the story of the king in England giving a message to his people. I believe it was New Year's. And right in the middle of the message, something happened to the radio system. And one man stepped up, got a wire in one hand, the other wire in his other hand, and the message of the king came through his body out to the people. That's what God has done. He's made us vehicles through which his message of love and forgiveness and grace can go to other people. Then, look at verses 11 and 12. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to his purpose, to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? He's given us an inheritance. There's a sense in which we are God's inheritance. The Bible teaches that. But we are, we are his inheritance, but he is also our inheritance. 
and he's given us an inheritance that will not fade away. The inheritance gets richer and richer all the time. That's when we can say we're saved forever. We're not saved until we fall off the wagon, until we make some mistake, until we foul up in some speech or some attitude or some action. We're saved forever. The very fact that we're saved, God's children, needs to remind us, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Then I want you to look at verse 13. In whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We're sealed. God has put his seal upon us. That seal cannot be broken. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And so we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Isn't that something? You're God's child forever. Then last of all, in verse 14, listen to this. Which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession and to the praise of his glory. Ten wonderful blessings climaxing with the fact that the Holy Spirit inside of us is the earnest. The earnest. It's a down payment. All of this and later heaven. Mrs. J.C. Ragnall was a very precious Christian in our church. Here for many years. Went to heaven, I think, when she was 95. She kept on coming all the time. Many, many times after a service, she would come and say, this is like heaven. We've been singing the great songs of heaven. I can hardly wait to get to heaven, but I'm enjoying it right here in the earth. You see, we have the earnest of the Spirit inside. He lives in us. And He can speak to us and through us to others. These are the blessings of the child of God. He has chosen us. He's adopted us. He's accepted us. He's redeemed us. He's forgiven us. He gives us wisdom and prudence. He reveals His mystery to us. He gives us an inheritance. He has sealed us to the day of redemption with the earnest of the Spirit inside of us. How you know you're going to heaven? These 10 reminders in Ephesians chapter 1 say to those who have been saved, you're on your way to Emmanuel's ground. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for these tremendous truths from the Word of God. Help us to understand them, to believe them, and to work, work forward, go forward on them, and to plant them in our lives as, as reminders day by day that we are God's children. We are God's servants. We're the only plan God has in this world to bring others to Jesus. Please, Lord, help us to not be disobedient to that heavenly vision. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please.
Since I Started for the Kingdom, page 13. Wonderful, wonderful hymn. We sing it, I think, by heart. You know it. Since I Started for the Kingdom. As we sing this, if God has spoken to anybody's heart about any matter, you might just want to come to the altar and pray. Rededication, special prayer request, whatever God lays on your heart. And friend, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, please don't leave without Jesus. God bless you. Let's sing.